Welcome to the Future of Fusion podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Tenney. This is our first episode in our Fire to Fusion series. In this series, we document mankind's advancement in our use of energy, starting with fire, all the way up to fusion and beyond. Here I'm joined with Terry Hurst, and we talk about early domestication of animals. Enjoy. Yeah, so my name is Brandon Tenney. My name is Terry Hurst. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the domestication of animals. I think sometimes we take for granted how crazy it is that we domesticated wolves. Imagine, Terry, you're in the food chain. You're just you're a predator just like all these other predators trying to hunt prey. And it's 10,000 BC. Your whole job is to get protein for not only yourself, but for your tribe. You're a group of hunter-gatherers, you're tight-knit, and you notice there's you have some competitors, these wolves. Mm. So you see these wolves, and they hunt in groups. They're kind of similar to you. And they have a bite force of like 400 to 1,200 pounds of force. So you know you're a better hunter, but that doesn't mean you don't get hungry every now and again. In fact, sometimes you're even starving. And you see some hungry wolves, and you have the best idea you've ever had in your entire life. You think, let's do a team-up. Like, think of, like, the Avengers. Think of the Justice League. Think of Thundercats. This is the best crossover event in history. Human beings and canines together to hunt some prey side by side side by side so you basically you train them you domesticate them you basically subjugate them and now you have officially introduced domestication to the human race puppers yeah how would you go about doing something like that though like i see a wolf yeah and it's terrifying and even back then if i was much more primitive man still obviously terrifying like you said so like obviously we have cute dogs Mm -hmm. but how i'm curious as to i guess how the initial domestication began i'm sure obviously it was like a slow process basically it happened through like selective breeding basically you get like a young wolf and you get it used to you you feed it scraps and if this wolf attacks you or any of you you kill it but the ones that don't you let them breed okay so you just snatch a little baby wolf yeah and reverse mowgli it So this drastically changes everything. The humans that were able to successfully do this obviously survived better. The wolves that, or the wolf ancestor that was able to adapt to this new reality of having human masters, they survived well because, I mean, the wolves benefited from this too because we were way smarter hunters and we could give them our scraps and it's a very, very reliable source of food. Right. You know? Now let's let's fast forward. Ready? So... I think there's a real sound bite for that. Okay, now that's good. It put me in the headspace of fast forwarding on a VHS tape. Okay, so a couple thousand years. Now let's just imagine what is now northern Iraq. You have some buddies, and you know they're smart like you, but they're smart in a different way. You know how it works. Hunter-gatherer societies they get bigger and bigger, more organized. The hunters would go out for days on end. They'd bring back you know the meat to feed to themselves and their family and their tribe. But these guys in this area, they get this amazing idea. They think rather than just killing our prey while we're out there, what if we bring it back alive? 
What if we bring it back alive and we help it to continue to reproduce? So they, mm. they get some sheep, they get some goats, and they decide, let's take care of them in perpetuity, basically. And they what is formed, like shepherding is basically born. So they get this idea to protect their prey from other predators and stimulate their population. And they also get some other useful byproducts like milk and wool right. and all this other stuff. And uh, they're going to basically foster their, their population to to be beneficial to their society. And once they're old, then they can get their meat. And that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And is, I feel like something I completely take for granted as far as like, that was a really novel idea and it didn't used to exist like that. And people didn't get their food that way. They would have to go and scavenge and find and hunt and spear and all of that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, dude, there's a way easier way. Just keep them around. And that's, that's awesome. And one thing I'm thinking now too, is like when your singular focus, right, is to survive and to get food. And there's a way that you know that works to get food. You're probably so just singularly focused on that method, right? That the idea of even contemplating, like doing it another way where it might not work would just seem so risky, you know, like why would you jeopardize your way of getting food to order to like in order to try some other way of doing it that you know could completely fail yeah it's kind of the idea like if it ain't broke don't fix it you know right because i can imagine some caveman like you know these old truists who like don't want to deviate from the from the way that it's been done you know like, like why the hell are you keeping that goat alive yeah, we're hungry like, how now. dare you like we need to eat this now why would you make us go without food so that we can you know, oh, well, let it reproduce. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now there's four and whatever. And basically, they eventually these people get good enough at building big enough enclosures that they kind of graduate from just sheep and goats to a uh, pig and cattle, which are even bigger. And you get just so much more protein, so much more milk from from those creatures than you would from these smaller guys. And it's just basically the same idea, but they just provide like literal tons of meat you know what i mean if you have enough of them (laughs) like just pork chops on chops on chops the next hurdle we're going to talk about is basically like architecture so at this point humans are getting pretty good at building stuff building homes um you'd imagine the best place to build a home is probably like by a river where you can you know just have access to water for your crops and all that the problem is is if you want to build like a big structure sometimes the best stones are not close to where you want to build. So now Mm. you have a transportation issue. Right. How do I get these rocks from this quarry, this beautiful granite countertop? How am I moving it to my Riverside location? Exactly. To my 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 primo real estate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How do I do it? Humans aren't strong. We've already talked about this. Uh, we're not certainly. Yeah, we're pretty pretty shrimpy for apex predators. Some other brilliant human had this brilliant idea to use the livestock instead of just for for meat and for milk, and to use it for transportation. So these early humans get this brilliant idea, basically, to use their livestock not just for meat not just for milk, but for transportation. And they invent something called a sledge. Have you ever heard of a sledge? Sledge, hammer, <laughs> sledge. I'll tell wedge, you what a sledge wedge is. Wedge sledge. I'll is. tell you what a sledge is. So a sledge is basically this precursor to the wheel. 
it's this smooth platform, like imagine like plywood, even though it wasn't plywood. And underneath it are a bunch of logs just to move heavy stuff. Mm, so the thing on top will just roll over the logs. Yeah. And, and so, then did they have to like take the last log out yeah, and like put exactly, it in front? Exactly. Oy. But if it's a big enough boulder, that's way, like it, it takes something that was impossible to move and makes it possible. Yeah. You know? And so humans invent that, but then they're like, man, even this is getting too heavy for us. So then they start wrapping some ropes around it and tying it to oxen. So now oxen are able to pull with these smooth runners underneath, basically these huge building materials. Hmm. And now a whole new realm of architecture is opened up to you. So this changed, this this was huge too. You know, imagine like now suddenly these huge boulders, which were previously inaccessible unless you wanted to build exactly where they were, are able, mm -hmm. you're able to move them as long as the terrain is smooth enough. You know, that, that changed everything as well. So now architecture suddenly gets to be so much more accessible. Now let's talk about horsies. You ready? Oh, I think so. <laughs> okay. Horse, horsies or horses or horse? Yes, horse. So people started domesticating and riding horses around 2000 BC. So as you can see, we're getting closer and closer to the present so, day. And pause. So yeah. when we first started all of this history lesson, we're at talking 10,000 BC, right? Yeah. And so now you're saying 2000 BC. Yeah, so it's been 8,000 years. So 8,000 years. From wolves to horses. From wolves when we domesticated them and started to utilize them to help us hunt. Mm -hmm. Now we have horses. We're not hunting horses, but we're using horses to help us do a lot of things. Exactly. So basically horses, this is in Mesopotamia. Um, the Fertile Crescent? Exactly. Is that is that it? That is it. Okay. Perfect. Basically, we started domesticating and riding them around 2000 BC, and pretty soon after that, we invented chariots. Now, don't mm. think of chariots like you normally think of chariots, like Ben-Hur or the movie Gladiator. These aren't gold-plated. These are actually pretty, uh, pretty fragile, and they're pretty crude. The wheels were just like bent wood, and they broke super easily, and the body was just this kind of light wood, and your normal cruising speed on these bad boys was like eight miles an hour. Hmm. Um, I mean, even then that sounds pretty quick. Yeah, that's a brisk jog. So this was also <laughs> a huge leap in the innovation of transportation. Cause previously we were just moving super heavy stuff, super slow distances with these wedges, but now we have a wheel and we're able to move around without getting tired. And here's the crazy thing is basically from the invention of the chariot all the way up until the industrial revolution, ground transportation basically stayed the same. I mean, chariots got more advanced. You eventually got carriages and stuff mm, like that. Right. But essentially, it's the same design. It's the same technology. So from like around 2000 BC to the 1700s, getting from A to B on land was basically the same process. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. For nothing to really change. I mean, of course, the... the they're making incremental improvements and stuff. And but like, it's basically the same technology. Yeah, so they're making new iterations of this way of travel, but the way at its core of travel is the exactly the same. Yeah, before we get to, like, railroads, basically. Right. And even when there's railroads, you still have horse and carriage and all yeah. that sort of yeah. stuff for a long time. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure to check out our Facebook and Twitter feed and Instagram, and we will update with more episodes.